Hey, Julie. Yeah, listen. If you had three days until Culloden, <laughs> what would you do? Well, I'd fuck Jamie. Yeah. A lot. Oh, yeah. Like, just maybe all the time. And then maybe when Jamie had to go take a piss or, like, take a rest, I'd fuck Dougal. Sure. Or Murta, right? And then if Dougal was too tired, which, <laughs> ladies... I doubt he would be. Then I would take Murtaugh. Yeah, but you're really going to put the pamplemousse underneath the gilf? I'm not sure I would. I Think about that scene. Think about that scene with the Mary Hawkins. Think about that. I understand that. He would be a generous lover. He would be a generous lover. But if I'm just in it to win it in three days... I think I got I got I gotta go gill first. Wouldn't you make the rounds though? I'd make I mean, the rounds. Man, I'm, I am saying I would make the rounds. Okay. I'm saying I'm leaving Murtaugh for the end to like bring me down gentle style. <laughs> all right, all right. That's fair. Uh where would Rupert figure into that list? <laughs> oh god. He's got remember he's got that eye patch. Mm, Rupert's not in my mix. He's not? Nah. Oh, I, I find him charming. Rupert, Rupert would be when I'm between like Gilf and Murtaugh and I'm so tired, like I'm, I just can't go on. And then Rupert's out there by the fire drinking his sack or whatever the fuck he's doing with his pirate <laughs> eye patch on. And I'm like, make me laugh. Ah ha ha ha. I remember life. Murtaugh. Let's do it. It's time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Um, and if... Uh, let's say hypothetically, one of those men. Which one would you love the most of those of those men? Who would I love the most? Yes, emotionally connect with the most. Murtaugh. All right. Let's say that they that Murtaugh died. Ugh. Right. Here's my question. It's an important question. Are you ready? Yeah. Can you guess my question? No. All right. Would you beat up his corpse? Never. Never would I do that. You guys are informed today. Only, only a true monster, an asshole, and like a grieving asshole. No, an asshole weeping saltwater tears. No, just a dick bag. Like not even worth. Do you really think like that's not coming from grief? I think it's coming from grief. I think it's coming from selfish grief. Well, sure, but all isn't all grief selfish? I think it's coming... But isn't all grief selfish? No. All grief is selfish. Because mm. it's not about the dead, it's about the living. Well, That's well, upsetting. Yeah, you got that. Also, I really have to take a shit right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. I just thought that was the best possible way to wrap that up. Isn't that true? Wasn't that the best way to wrap that up? Am I wrong? I'm right. I'm right. Me, no, no. I, Julie, you must. All right, do you have a better way to wrap that up before we go into the intro? Truly, no. All right, so hey, I'm Allison Shoemaker. <laughs> Truly, Starbird. And this is Podlander Drugcast and Outlander Podcast. Uh, we are talking about uh, episode 12 of season two of Outlander, The, the Hail, Hail Mary, Mary, which is a uh, pun because Mary's in it. Um, and uh, it's a really good episode, I thought. I enjoyed this episode. I thought it was very, for an episode that's basically just about setting up for the season finale. And also not have read, reading the books. Um, also, disclaimer. <laughs> 
Can we just tell everyone at the beginning here that Allison and I, it's Pride Sunday in Chicago, by yeah. the way. Happy, Happy Pride. Pride. Cheers. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. Cheers. Uh, to our LGBTQIA friends. We, we see you. Love we you. love you. Yeah. And Allison and I are fucking shit canned already. Mm-hmm. Like we showed up here at Janine's house to record <laughs> and we are already drunk. Yeah. But you know what? This episode warranted it. It was heavy shit. There are a bunch <sighs> of people who think they're going to die in three days. But also. Oh, that's real, Janine. That's real. They think they're going to die in three days. Allison told me, I have never read the books. And Allison told me that a lot of shit in this episode was very different than the books. It is very different. Let's get real. But really good. I thought adaptation wise, really good. Anyway, um, a couple of like programming notes before we get into it, because there's a bunch of shit. So today, uh, as usual, we're paying for our own beer. If you happen to own a brewery. And you want us to talk about it and just let us know. <laughs> Any of our six listeners, this is brought to you by us. And by the, it's Janine's turn this week. Um, empirical Brewing. And it's the Gamma Ray Wheat. Yes. Ginger mm-hmm. wheat, ginger wheat. I think you nailed that. Well, ginger uh, is important. Um, it's a really delicious summer beer, though. I don't, I don't think they distribute outside of Illinois, do they? Mm-mm. No, not yet. They're like barely hitting the city. If you're in Illinois, Gamma it's delicious. Gamma, if you're in Chicago, Gamma Ray ginger specifically, <laughs> and you are in Ravenswood, meta specifically, <laughs> just go down to. No. Foster also, and I should say, Metro if you're tracks. a person who listens to the show that we don't know, well, also, I guess if you're somebody we know personally, but especially if you're someone we don't know personally and you're at Empirical Brewing, you should just like send us a message on Twitter and we will come hang out with you. Yeah. Also, that is a true thing. Post you, it on Twitter. You, will. you let me know. I'm there. Yeah. Post it on Twitter. Post it on Facebook just so that they can see it and understand that we are sending people their way to drink their beer. I mean, no matter what, we will drink the delicious beer. Always. But we would rather do good for them and then we not would pay ra- for our beer. <laughs> we would rather drink the beer free. <laughs> That's just true. Saying. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Drink free beer. All right. Okay. Um, So a couple of programming notes besides what we're drinking. So next week is the 90 minute episode. And obviously we haven't seen it yet. But what we're planning on... Mm, sort of depending on what happens is splitting it in half so likely next week you'll be getting two episodes they'll be released at the same time but there'll be two episodes maybe it'll be the past and the future maybe it'll be just split right down the middle like an act break whatever um that will be coming in the future after that we'll be doing an episode that we've mentioned before that we're gonna casually call dude lander where julie and i interview a little group of dudes, including the very famous Neil Starbird, Julie's (laughs) husband, um, who had a couple of really rich quotes this week. He had some good ones. Um, uh, Talking about watching Outlander as a dude, because uh, not only is there a preconception that this is a show for women, but also like, what the fuck is wrong with this being a show for women? Not a goddamn thing. Not a goddamn thing. I'm going to save it for next week, but there's also nothing the fuck wrong with the fact that Ghostbusters is being made for women either. There's not a fucking thing wrong with that. There's not a goddamn thing. I'm really sorry for swearing, but I'm not. There's not a thing wrong with that. Cheers. Cheers. 
Janine. Thanks, Janine. Hey, yeah, Janine. Janine. Hey, you put it in your calendar. The 15th of July. We're going with Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Kevin Lambert is going to be one of the dudes on Dude Lander podcast. He is currently, like this very minute, starting to watch Outlander from the very first episode. He's going to watch all of seasons one and two in the next two weeks so that he can be in Dude Lander. He has a very busy week ahead of him. I know. But he's going to start this week. And he was really drunk when we left him. That's true. He was you know, pretty is drunk. Is that why he didn't want to? We were supposed to hang out earlier today. Nah, man. He was nah, with that us. that was Elise Mayfield. But we shouldn't uh, talk about that. He was Elise, with us. we love you. She's going to be listening to it, too. Love you, Elise. Nah, Kevin got hammered. Learning, we all got hammered. Happy learning pride. feminine mysteries. I don't want to... Um, totally derail the episode because you know what outlander is about a lot of things but it's not necessarily about um uh lgbtq studies no i mean although it you know what this is not a spoiler it becomes more about that in future seasons that's coming up but um up until this point it has been unfriendly Mm, no he's not gay he's a sadist but those are different the idea that the character exists and he's the only one I understand why people perception wise I understand why people have problems Blackjack Randall is not gay he's a sadist I haven't read the books but I understand why people who are not familiar with the story might have issues although I think that this episode does a does a good job of explaining the way that he views himself, Janine, which has I can't nothing wait. to do I with gender. I can't wait until we get to the so end. So we're going to go ahead and start now. Do you have any idea, Julie, why I wrote down Morton or Gogo? No. I do have an idea that the teaser before the show is the war map with the little, like, oh, here's the yeah. British soldiers, here's the Scottish soldiers, and they're moving in on Culloden Moor. Which is also in the... Which title sequence we know is the bullshit but also before that we saw rupert with a sweet ass eye patch oh god that eye patch is something else sweet eye patch rupert you know, so janine yeah rupert is one of the dudes that we kept being like which one is rupert which one is yeah he's the one who got Kincaid, shot, shot which one is angus yeah, yeah he, he got shot in the eye uh yeah he, listening, believe me. yeah <laughs> oh, oh i know oh i know you have no choice but to listen um he uh, has just been getting like solid thing after solid thing. This yeah. actor is really good. He's and doing he's getting his Grant day. O'Rourke. Mm-hmm. Double check me. I'm pretty sure it's Grant O'Rourke. Is doing a really great job. And he this week, as in line with what Claire said last week, gets a great eye patch. Yeah, like a really great eye patch mm-hmm. and some bits. And he keeps sending up little toasts to his buddy. Angus. Angus. R.I.P. Angus. R.I.P. Angus. And there's a wonderful moment where um, Colin McKenzie says, I never imagined the two of you not dying side by side. And he says, neither did I. No, it just really made sad. me so sad. But anyway. at the top, we're moving in on Inverness. Like we're on the outside. Oh, it's really good. We're on the outside of Culloden Moor. And the Scottish forces have set up in a camp. And there is a path that people are walking down. And Neil said... That path is way too neat. Oh, it really was. It was like a tidy little road. It was was like a historical reenactment road. Except that it was an actual, like, everything had been pushed out of the way so you could just walk down it. And it was like, it's too neat. It was very neat. And then... It was a really good... It was a good... And then uh, Rupert and the pig farmer... What the fuck is that guy's name? 
uh, Ross. Rupert hey, we and confirmed Ross. in this episode, my friend, you were totally right. The one who died is Kincaid. <laughs> yeah, Kincaid yeah. is dead, but Ross lives. And now Rupert and Ross are friends. So I said the oh, Rupert. Oh, yeah, they totally. The Rupert and the pig farmer can be friends. friends. The Rupert and the pig farmer can, can be, be friends. Can be friends. Oh, the Rupert and the pig farmer can be friends. So we're looking some. I'm not done. Some men <laughs> like to push a plow. The other like to chase a cow. But that's no reason why they can't be friends. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> I'm sorry, I get no chances to make Oklahoma jokes. Well, I wrote that down specifically for I you. I know, and I love you I, for it. I know that you couldn't make that joke two weeks ago. Territory folks should stick together. Territory folks should help me pal. <laughs> Plowman dance with the farmer's daughter. <laughs> Farmer dance with the rancher's cat. <laughs> I served that up for you like a fucking college volleyball team. That was was a lob if I've ever seen one. So (laughs) sweet. All of a sudden, our one-eyed Rupert and the pig farmer Ross can be buds. And so now there are like regular man eyes. No pun intended. Bosom companions. Bosom uh, buddies? Bosom buddies. I don't care what you say anymore. This is my life. with your own life. Leave me alone. So they're hanging out. They're hanging out at the campsite and they're like, oh, Inverness. This I just want to say right now that Janine has this wonderful thing that he does for us where he holds out little cards telling us how far we are in the episode. <laughs> we have literally done nothing. And he just held up a note card that said 15 minutes. <laughs> anyway, we suck. Well, this, but we love you guys. And, hey. at this, and at this point, that was actually early. No one's supposed to know I'm doing that. <laughs> So for everybody else, that's 12 minutes. All right, fair, fair. So hold up, Does that mean you're emotionally manipulating us, Janine? Slowly. Are you gaslighting our ass? Never gaslighting. Hey, let me say this. If you're listening in Chicago, Janine and Julie and I are going to see Ghostbusters on July 15th at the new 400 in Rogers Park. If you want to come see Ghostbusters with us, you find me on Twitter. I'll tell you what showtime. We will go see Ghostbusters together. And when dudes are like, oh, we will throw popcorn at them because that's my plan. So, seriously, if you live in Chicago and you want to go see Ghostbusters with us, you let us know. Anyway, continuing. I think people it. are curious about this episode. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Continuing. So, okay. um, so Rupert, Rupert's got his eye patch, and Fergus is rocking the sweet sweater vest. Did you see that yeah, sweater vest? That's good. It's really sweet. And so they're both, uh, Rupert and the pig farmer Ross are talking about the bullshit that's happening with them being trapped in Inverness. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, we go into the war room. And I didn't know this, but the actual historical date of Culloden is three days from where we are now yeah. in the story. Which is important for reasons we'll come Jamie to. Jamie is fully aware of this shit. And so is Murta. Bless him. And we are in this room, and there's the Irishman, <laughs> the Scotsman, <laughs> the Englishman slash king slash prince slash Mark me. Slash Italian. Mark me. We only got one Mark me this time, though. And they're hanging out figuring out how they're going to fight this in shit. In a tiny boat in the middle of the ocean with a dog <laughs> and a peg leg and a patch of steel wool. And they're hanging out and uh, one of them says, the best way to fight this battle is on Culloden Moor. And you can just dun, see Jamie dun, go, dun. 
No. <laughs> no. <laughs> And like I, I, I'm sure I don't need to remind anyone who's taking the time to decide. Man, I should listen to a podcast about Outlander, the television show. Mm-mm. I shouldn't need to tell you all know this, but Culloden is a real battle, a real battle that was incredibly devastating for the entire. I guess it's not a nation, principality. I don't know what you call it of Scotland. What do you call it now that the UK is separating from the EU? Man, Scotland. Can I just tell you something? <laughs> or you can talk about... I love you so much. Ferret wearing. I need Cheeto to talk faced. to you about the word shit gibbon. Oh, my God. Is that one that came up? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. And I need to oh. tell you how much every right-thinking American appreciates the term shit gibbon. Cheers. Cheers. Because we didn't have that before you. I also appreciate Cheeto-faced. I truly do not believe that there is a better word for Donald Trump than shit-given. Yeah. Hashtag shit-given. Hashtag shit-given. Hashtag sick burn, Fergus. Hashtag sick burn, Scotland. Yes, sick burn, Scotland. That's the one. You win. Um, Anyway, uh, real gift with language, those Scots. Um, But in the past, they're... Destined to just be trampled on trampled at on. the battle. We, we forgot about the thing that happens right before this, which is Claire has to be like, I need medical supplies because I know this shit is going to be a bear. And she goes into town and she sees Mary. And oh, no. We no, haven't no, no, gotten no. there yet. No, no, no. Mary's buying the shit before. No, I have BPD a note is- before then that says, These are the two ugliest looking hot people I've ever seen. Who's that? Claire and Jamie. They're having a really hard time. Oh, man, they are fucked up, but that's before the war room. Because Claire goes to the store to get her bullshit, and, and then they there. come back. And Mary, wonderful. Well, first of all, I mean, the, what the note is, is that they're all, they look miserable, right? Like every, and there's that, it comes later in the episode. Neil was like, oh, they look rough. They really do. It's hard. They're living the, living that war life. Mm-hmm. And they're not eating right. They're not washing their faces and presumably any of their other parts. Their butts. So here's an, here's. Here's a moment where neither of us were like, man, I wish they would do it. Because, But Claire goes into the store to get her medical supplies and she sees Mary. And Mary's all like at the grocery store going, I need some ginger, some chamomile, some arsenic, and some laudanum. And then Claire's like, oh, hi, Mary, how are you? And she's like, like, bitch, bitch. you talking to me? What? What? You told my husband, uh, my soon-to-be husband, my lover, my my soulmate, you told him never to be with me because he was too poor and sick. And Claire's like, I am so sorry that I said those things to you. It was way more deep than you understand. But seriously, he is very ill and he will not be able to live long enough to provide for you. I need you to understand Mm -hmm. that I had your best interest in mind. And Mary's like, Okay. Well, she seems, I mean, because Claire, again, going back to Claire not being a good liar. Remember when Jamie was like, but you're not a good liar. (laughs) Right? Like, she's not a good liar. So it doesn't, it makes sense that Mary believes her. Mm. This is all shit that's not in the book, by the way. Claire is never like, hey, Alex, you probably shouldn't make this happen with Mary. But Mary does let us know. But she develops a backbone that makes me really happy. She is living with Alexander Randall in a 
boarding house in Inverness. And this is upsetting because that means that they are destitute and poor and she is not married yet. And Alexander. And then you find out she's all knocked up and shit. Is not doing good. All right. Yeah, right. Janine is. She, he understands. Janine knows. He gets. So then we flash now back. Now it's real, real. That's we what flash I wrote back down. to the war room, and it's all these old wives and the Irish idiot are like, "Sweet, let's is go into Colombia." For war. the Irish idiot, I don't care. Let's call him the Irish idiot. And I want to make it clear to people idiot. who are listening that I am the Irishest person sitting around the table where we're recording. Are you more Irish than me or not? I have a lot of Irish. Why don't, don't we just call him more Irish? <laughs> Why don't we just call him Beckett? We'll call him Beckett. Whatever. He is no, but but Beckett's not an idiot. Well, no, we could call him. Um, you don't. How get, about we call him St. Patrick's Day in Chicago? Okay. All right. Oh. Well, we'll Green just Green River, Lakeview. How about Lakeview? <laughs> uh, so Lakeview is um, trying to convince Bonnie Prince Douche and the rest of the gang uh, that they should uh, rally around Culloden, uh, which obviously both Jamie and Murta know is a terrible idea. And um, they have to figure out a way to um, get the prince to choose something else, mm-hmm. despite the fact that that seems to be the most obvious method, right? So Myrta's not in the war room, but obviously he's on that page. And Jamie is the only one who knows that, like, Culloden equals disaster. But Jamie's in the room with all the old white dudes. He's in the room where it happened. And BPD. <laughs> Is like drying his nails by the fire, talking about Kalad and sounds With like the best plan. With his boot toppers oh, and God. his knees exposed. It's they horrible. go knee to knee eventually. But Julie then, was very excited. There were so many bare knees. Fucking Jamie takes a Captain Morgan next to him. Yep. Just goes Boom. knee to knee. Knee to knee. And it's like, I have a different plan. And he tries to give this thing about like sneaking in from the side or whatever. And But, but BPD has no time for this. He's like... God will provide for us. And I was like, yeah, God will provide for you. He'll provide you a place for your fucking dirt nap. Yep. I don't know what that means. Uh, he'll, he'll provide a place for all your people to die. He'll right. provide a place I've, for... I've never heard the term dirt nap. Did you not dirt watch, nap. Did you not watch Sopranos? That was a Sopranos. Dirt nap, man. I never watched that. Hey, here, true confession. Oh, my God. I'm the TV critic that has never watched The Sopranos. Oh, my God. <laughs> Neil can take you to church on The Sopranos. I can take o- me to church. I can only take you to church on like the first two seasons, but Neil can take you the whole way. We're going to have a song countdown. That's song number three, so we all know. <laughs> but just so you know, Countdown is a Beyonce song. and <laughs> So that's four. My baby, it's a ten. It's something, something, nine. It's something, eight. Makes him feel so lucky, seven. So actually, six, my, my, love five. my quote about it was, God will provide for us. He'll provide provide a place for your mass dirt nap. <laughs> yeah, as in all your Scottish dudes belong to us. They're obviously all terrified except for <laughs> all your Scottish dudes are belong to, to us. us. That's God what I bless just you. said. That was a real solid nerd joke. Just said it. But the Irish idiot is all on board with let's go to, cause you know what? Because he's from fucking Ireland. He doesn't care if Scotland gets destroyed. He doesn't give a shit. So... Uh, that really sucks. And they're all terrified and they all think Culloden's a terrible idea and Jamie is like, uh, but better idea is a g- uh, the, 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 I don't have one. And then it cuts right? out. And then Claire goes to buy medicine and she runs into Mary Hawkins. And Mary mm-hmm. Hawkins is like, oh, hi, bitch. Remember when you were a bitch? 
And then Claire's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And then they make up. And then she goes to see Alex. And who shows up? Julie, who shows up? BJR. BJR. Tobias Mendoza. Who earned his keep this episode again? Am I right? Cheers. Tobias Mumsma. In not an awesome way, but... God, he was great. I'm sorry he was great. It's harder to be a great villain than it is to be a great hero. No. From an acting perspective? It's easy to be a great villain. It's harder to be a great villain who... Who's also sympathetic? Is sympathetic. Yeah, which is what he did. I truly believe that up until this episode, he was campy... And rough. I don't and know just about campy, but not sympathetic. Not I agree. sympathetic. Just evil. Just like, oh no, he's the black. He's like evil. He's the most evil thing you've ever seen. This episode, we'll get to the thing, Janine. When we still, get to the thing, it's going to blow your mind. Still not awesome. Like, of course he's not. He's still a bad guy. He thinks he's a monster. That's the whole point, right? But even still, like, oh god. Tobias Menzies is really good at walking the line. Miles, Miles, cheers. Miles, yeah, cheers. he did great. Um, he was he really, might be really the be- good. He might be the best actor on this entire show. It's close. I mean, he'd be in the hunt, and he plays two parts, and they're both amazing. And that's really something. He's the best actor on this show. He's really, really good. Um, I think he does. There's something when I was watching this time. I think. Um, that it's something in his mouth. There's something in the way. No, Kelly talked about it. It's the weird fucking vertical creases no, on but he either can't side control, of him. I'm talking about what he does as an actor. He can't control his creases. He can control the way that he grits his teeth. But that is part of this. Sure. Like, but are, do you agree that his mouth is different when he's blackjack than when he's Frank? Yes. Yeah. It's amazing. Yes. And awful and terrifying. He looks like he's going to bite you the whole time that he's blackjack. He looks like he's going to bite you. And that's not, I'm not saying that because I think, oh, oh, oh it's his jaw. No, no, no. It's something about his jaw. He like, looks like he's just going to bite you. He has an extra, he has an extraordinary strong jaw. Janine, do you see jaw. it? You're I'm nodding. Li- li- it literally is. He, he has the most rectangular face. Yeah. He yeah. has an extraordinarily like strong a jaw. Huge, powerful butt chin. That's yeah. just like. Yeah, it's. I can see what you're saying. He really brings it to the fore in the villain role. There's in this Frank, for some reason, and I think that this is just because he's so fucking talented, but it feels like it recedes a little bit. Well, I really think that he must know, like, he must have made the choice as an actor. And here's a moment where I should say that Julie and I, both when we were uh, young and impressionable, we're both training as actors. I quit before she did and went to director world, and then I quit that too. Um, but we both trained as actors, right? So I have to assume that Tobias. At some point, he went, What's going to be different about Blackjack? I know he's going to bite differently because he literally holds his teeth differently. And that's a really valid, especially as a film actor. Can you imagine? Like, as a stage actor, it would have to be that he walked differently or something. But as a film actor, yeah, he can just, like, I just changed the way that I hold my teeth and I sound oh, different, shit. don't I? Yeah, I do. I saw him in the Game, the game of Thrones. Yeah, yes. he's Edmure Tully. Same yeah. dude. And also, like, Rome. Yeah. He played like, Brutus. I remember, because, like, the only episode. I have only started watching Game of Thrones recently in this last season, and the only thing I've ever seen him in is when he's like tied up against the post and uh, recent spoiler episodes. Alert, spoiler alert, 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 alert,
<laughs> but like I remember watching him going, he's like, there's so much happening in his jaw. Yeah. No, he's he's he a knows, very smart actor. He knows where his strength is, yeah. and it is in his fucking incredibly <laughs> handsome face. It's a handsome face. If any of you are listening are Emmy voters. I've got all kinds of thoughts about the people you should vote for, but he is one of them because he's playing two parts. They're incredibly different and never in a million years does it ever seem like they're the same people. Also, Janine has no idea what's coming up in about 15 minutes. Oh my God. All right. So um, (laughs) there's this really like oddly shocking moment where he calls Claire by her first name after she goes to tend to Alex and then Blackjack shows up. Wait, 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 we haven't talked about that. So Claire goes to tend to Alex because Mary is living with Alex in this shitty boarding house and Alex Randall is dying of the consumption. Like he is fucking it's coughing awful. his lungs up. It's, it's really awful. And she's like, please come help my husband because Claire hears her ordering all this arsenic. Oh, shit. And laudanum. And she's like, wait a minute. Nah, bitch. So she goes to help her. And then when she's trying to help him, BJR, BJR fucking shows up. But he's not in his lobster back uniform. He's just like a normal person. Because he got leave. And we are like, you're not a Which normal makes person. It, I, I'm sorry to be political, but that makes it way better than a lot of people in the active armed forces. In the but United also, States. you are not a normal person. <laughs> but still, he's trying to be a normal person. He's there for his brother. He's you're been taking and Mary, and Mary makes a point of saying that they've been that he's been paying all their bills and he's trying to take. Obviously, he loves his brother. He's trying to take care of his dying younger it's brother. It's all a setup for one of the best scenes in the entire. <laughs> Fucking serious, and it's the coming worst on. thing I've ever seen. Not the worst, pretty bad. <laughs> it, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking okay. about the scene that BJR has with Claire. Oh yes, in oh, the bar. Okay, it's fine, so good. Fine, fine. Anyway, so uh, so that all happens, and uh, and it's very shocking uh, to hear BJR stop. Claire and call her by her first name because then he sounds like Frank, right? So he stops her and says, "Like we, you need to help him." And she, because Claire is, she knows that this dude is a monster, and she's got to think about her life and the life of lives of the people she loves. Says, "What will you give me?" If Do we I already care? know that Mary is pregnant? Mm, I don't know. Here's the thing. Here's what I think. And I will admit that part of this is because I've read the book. And so I think I have a book perspective on the characters. But I will admit that I think that this is a thing that's true, even if you haven't. That if he said, I won't give you anything, she would still fucking take care of Alex Randall. Because mm-hmm. she's a doctor. She knows. She's a doctor. So she first do no harm. Mm-hmm. So if he says no, then she still fucking takes care of Alex Randall. Mm-hmm. You know, if she was in the, like, if somehow they had ended up still in the dungeon when BJR had been trampled by those cows. <laughs> Season one. She <laughs> she would have patched him up and then say and then said, I hope you go to hell. Right? Because um, she's a doctor. Here you go. Hope you don't die. Bye. Because she's a doctor. <laughs> so she takes care of the people who need help. They're, no, if they're going to die, it's not going to be no, her actually, fault. No, actually, I do kind of hope you die. But it but... won't be because of me, right? Yeah. Right, right. But it won't be because of me. So um, so she, I, I mean, what basically what she does is she says, I will take care of him, but you have to give me intelligence on the British Army. You have to tell me where the closest British Army outpost is. And I will say this about the books. In the books... BJR comes to her and says, if you take care of my brother, I'll give you intelligence about the British Army, which seems like a pretty big difference to me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but the emotional impact is the same. Mm-hmm. There's one other major change which we'll get to, which I actually think has a very significant impact on uh, the series um, in seasons to come. But um, so he tells yeah. her Cumberland's army is at a place. Something that starts with a nan. And it's his birthday. They're going to have a birthday party for him in a couple of days, like two days from now. And that's just before the Battle of Culloden. So Claire can take back to the Scottish camp. Hey, guys. And let's finish this particular storyline right Mm -hmm. now. Let's go all the way through it and then come back to the other thing. Yep. Yep. So uh, they think like, oh, well, what can we do with this information that we have from this crooked fucking officer? But that seems legit. And also at some point, Jamie is like, hey, Dougal, why don't you go check out and see what the British Army is doing? Dougal hasn't come back yet, though. No, what I'm saying is he sends him off and then he finds out and Dougal comes back and tells him. And Jamie's like, yeah, I already know. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, thanks, buddy. (laughs) So... um, Dougal. So we're, this is skipping to the end of the episode, but basically they find out all this intelligence and then end up going, splitting in half. The army as it exists splits in half and half of them are with Jamie and the Scottish commander, which we'll call team um, Jamie sensible <laughs> team normal. Yeah. And the other team is uh, the Irish idiot and the Polish slash Italian slash British slash Catholic slash yeah, right team um, douchebag douchebag. But, but we were calling them BPD BPD team BPD. Well, also Bonnie Prince douchebag. Right. BPD. Yeah. Team BPD. Yeah. So um, they prepare to launch like the world's worst surprise party for the Duke of Cumberland. Mm-hmm. And uh, it doesn't go well for them. But that comes up later. Because right. but that's essentially what, because what that means is nothing. It has no impact. Yeah. Because BPD just like gets lost and goes home. So there's no impact. They have one shot. Um, they are not throwing away their shot. They are not throwing away their shot. That's a they're Hamilton just like joke. their country. They're young, scrappy, and hungry, and they're not throwing away that their shot. That is a shot. fucking Hamilton they joke. They are not throwing away And I recognize shot. it. They are not throwing away And as an old person, shot. I'm telling you that... I don't care. That's all right. It's fine. We're done. So um, <laughs> they basically said, where are you going, Janine? I'm going to take care of this son. Yeah. Oh, poor Julie. I didn't even notice. Oh, man. That's because I'm radiant. You are radiant. <laughs> so um, they <laughs> decide that, um, that, that life is hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, we forgot. Column shows up in no, all I of know, this. But, uh, but I'm trying to deal with like, because there are like five subplots in this there episode, are, right? But it all comes down to two brothers and two brothers. Right. So the thing that has nothing to do with brothers is this one. Yes. And it's that uh, they want to sneak up on the British and Cumberland's it fails. Cumberland's birthday. Right? right. Cumberland's birthday and it fails. So Blackjack Randall gives them some intel and it fails. But what actually matters in this episode is Blackjack Randall... And Alex Randall and, and Dougal, Dougal and Colin McKenzie. And Colin. So who should we start with? Let's talk about Colin showing up. Oh my God. The sound of his legs. It was rough. So <sighs> we're at wherever Jamie and 
Claire are staying with the fucking... In Inverness somewhere. Whatever. It's a house that they've obviously taken over. It's some Lord's house. And they're in there. Gary Lewis. Is that his name? I think so. I can't remember. But the fucking carriage pulls up and you hear it stop. And it stops. And then you see the two bent legs come out and it's like... As he hits the ground. Gary Lewis. And Gary Lewis is about to blow our minds. It's a really fucking fantastic shot. And the, so, you know, as you know, if you if you listen every week, uh, Julie's husband, Neil, always has some kind of bomb. He always has some sort of like bomb where he says something wonderful. And he had mm-hmm. a couple of it this time. Um, and this wasn't so much something he said as Colm's legs appeared under the carriage, carriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was immediately very striking and Neil went <laughs> that is 100% true and we're like oh here it comes and then he said what a shot <laughs> <laughs> so, it's true though so you see the bent legs show up. And you can up. hear them. You can hear his legs like cracking as he steps on them. And it's as bad. a reminder, because I know there are a couple of people who listen who don't actually watch the show. And he's got Toulouse-Lautrec syndrome, right? And there's actually, Dougal but has a great that, monologue. Or did he get broken by the horse? No, because they're Toulouse- the one and the same. He has okay. Toulouse-Lautrec syndrome. Okay. So he has Toulouse-Lautrec syndrome. And... Um, he uh, there's a wonderful scene about it but in this case like he's he's already lived way past his life expectancy and he's obviously at the end of his life and he shows up at Culloden looking like shit oh god and Gary Lewis he you know he's an actor he's a good looking dude he looks like hell no he just looks like a pile of bullshit like it looks like hell it's horrible. And he just shows up because he is the lo- he's the McKenzie Lord. He, he is, is Clan McKenzie. And he just shows up like I am about to fucking die. And he shows up and wants a couple of things specifically. He obviously wants to name a successor. So that he wants somebody's son Hamish. Hamish, who we know specifically is actually Dougal's biological son. The Gilf's son, because Gilf can't stop himself from getting in there. No, because Colm can't actually get in there. I mean, whether or not he can get in there, he's, he can't reproduce. Right. right? So, so I'm Gilf- not a doctor. I don't know how Toulouse-Lautrec syndrome works. But what I know is that he can't uh, father a son. So it's Dougal's son. And they all pretend like it's not. Dougal has not raised him as his own son. Right. He just plays with them enough that Claire is suspicious. Mm -hmm. So. um, And also the other thing that he wants, he needs to make sure that Hamish uh, moves on. Yeah. And has a caretaker. But he also needs somebody to help him fucking die. Yep. Because he is done. And I want to make this point about Outlander. There are a lot of things that I admire about Outlander, but this has become a show about which there have been frank conversations about now about uh, rape of both genders, abortion, and assisted suicide. And that, I think, is really fucking significant. Mm-hmm. Whatever your feelings about those things, and there's, those are all issues where there's not any, well, okay, rape is terrible, that's a correct answer, right? But when you talk about, like, abortion, 
which I have a very firm idea about. Julie and I have the same idea, but it's, but it makes sense to me that people have diverse ideas, right? And then especially when you get to assisted suicide, those are complicated ideas. And the fact that this show tackles them along with things like pregnancy sex and, um, BDSM, that's a thing that happens occasionally. And right? Like all kinds of things <laughs> that don't get talked about on television. It really mm-hmm. means a lot mm-hmm. to me that it even gets talked about. Um, and in this case. So Colm knows he's not going to let. He he's looks there because he just, he does not want to be in pain anymore. He would I rather choose the means of his own death. I want to die. I need to talk to Claire because it's very clear and that Claire can says, show me how to die. She says, isn't suicide a sin? And he says, what's one more sin to a sinner? And so she gives him something called yellow jasmine, which this is a thing that's different in the book. Um, this is not, I'm, first of all, I will again say the books are great. You should read the books. I'm not spoiling anything for you because you should read the books because you're watching the show. And honestly, the show is a little bit more harsh than the books. But in the books, um, Dougal just gets arsenic. He just gets arsenic. And he is prepared to kill himself with arsenic. And then he dies having nothing to do with arsenic. And... It's really shocking and awful. Um, but he doesn't die now in the show. No, he doesn't. He, he just, just gets the yellow jasmine. He gets the yellow jasmine and she gives it to him in this little bottle with a cork. And, and she's she like, says, this will make you just gradually fall asleep. And fall then Neil asleep. says, what did he say? Oh, God, I'm on it then. Neil says he he stopped it. He paused it. He paused that's right. Outlander. He, twice. Twice this episode he paused mm-hmm. Outlander. And this time he paused it and he said, that weirdly makes me want to take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> I love that he said weirdly because he always wants to take a nap. <laughs> There's no weirdly. <laughs> But he paused it. That weirdly makes me want to take a nap. And then he pressed play again. And my my note about it was Colm as Claire to Kavorgi in his ass. Oh, totally. Well, Which is the same thing. I mean, it's, it's a very it's a very moving scene. Like Gary Lewis, fuck. But he gets better. Here, he gets he better. totally does. But what's amazing to me is this show. There, cheers. You always think like, oh god, that's the best acting this person is ever going to do on this show, and then they always do better. They get better. So uh, then we flash to the boarding house. Oh, yeah. And Alex is rough, man. And he's coughing and there's blood all over his face. Alex Randall is bad. And Mary is there and Blackjack Randall is there. And then Claire is like, hold on. Did we say this, that Claire is going to take care of Alex because BJR said he'd give her intelligence? Oh, yeah, we did. Okay, yeah. So she's packing a pint full of shit and like... Blackjack Randall can't believe that she's trying to get him to inhale shit. And she's like, hold on, because she knows herbs that if he inhales them will release his lungs. Which we've seen before. In season one. Yeah, when they were uh, collecting taxes and Ned Ned Gowan had asthma. Yeah. So she understands and she makes him shotgun this shit through a fucking like paper cone. (laughs) And she blows it through his face. And, and it really does uh, was help. It, was it actually shotgunning or hotboxing? Like, what would you actually call that? 
Shotgunning would be mouth to mouth. I would hot call boxing. It, hot boxing, I think, is more I the real. I would call it secondhand smoking. I think I would call hot it hot boxing. boxing. Hot boxing. That's what that is. Okay. Yeah. So they were hot, but for I had good sh- reason. I had shotguns or hot boxing. Yeah. Uh, so then all of a sudden Alex like calms down, but he is obviously about to die. Yeah. And he has this moment where he says, what I really need is to know that you will take care of my beloved, essentially. Um, after, and this is after Claire realizes that Mary is pregnant. And Alex is like, of course, not Alex, Blackjack is like, of course, I will take care of her. And he says, great, so you'll get married then? And it's like, what? And literally everyone in the room who is not Blackjack, who is not Alex Reynold, reacts in total shock. <laughs> like, boom! And then Alex has this moment where he's like, do you think I don't know that you're a total fucking monster? I know you're a monster, but I also believe that you love me enough to not be a monster to the woman that I would marry if I wouldn't die. And then he leaves. And, and then, then BJR leaves. Blackjack Randall just fucking is like, <laughs> and runs out of the room. And Claire's like, King Murta, will you follow him? And Murta's like, no. And then he does. And then Murta's like, yeah. Right. So then, so then we get to this really amazing scene where Claire, there. I mean, there are a couple of scenes that lead up to it where they're talking about how she. Um, feels like she. There's a, this line draw like he's gonna die at Culloden because she's seen the she genealogy chart. She tried. told him the date of his but death. But if they change the future, then he won't. So it comes down to her relying on the fact that if he doesn't die, he will be decent to her because Alex loved her, and that's why she's comfortable. And there's goddamn, and this is not in the book. This wonderful scene where Murta is like, you cannot give this innocent girl to this man. Oh my god, hold on. I will marry Pample her Moose. myself. Pample Moose. God damn it, Duncan Lacroix. Can we talk Cheers. about Duncan Lacroix? He has. I mean, here's the thing. I know we talk about that guy every week, but Julie, do you think this is the best scene he's had in the whole series? No. I, I think, think it might be. I think that it is tied with, in season one, the Gaelic scene that he had with Jamie after he got out of the prison. Claire has a beautiful smile, that yeah. one. Uh, oh, however, no, where he tells Jamie he can't kill himself. Right. Yeah. However, I want every casting director who oh has ever lived and whoever might just, like, just fucking be listening to the internet. <laughs> like whale sounds, right? <laughs> or like the guy, the guy that Journey, the guy that Journey found from the Philippines. <laughs> you need to cast this actor in anything you ever do. God, he was so good because he comes out, and this is not lustful. No, I mean, don't get me wrong. Both of us would, Julie. Hold your glass up. It is Both of us would fuck the shit out of him. I would, but this, this, this is not is, about that. This is more about It was a, just an amazing scene. And reality. Yep. Like, Claire's like, Blackjack, you have to marry this bitch. And Murtaugh's like, wait, wait, wait hold on. You, you can't give that young woman to this man. You cannot do that. 
I will do it. I, she is not what I envisioned in a wife. And I am sure that I am not what she envisioned in a husband, but I am a kind and decent person. And I raised Jamie after his parents died. And I think you would agree that he came out. Okay. And I will take care of her child and of her, and we will grow to like each other. And it's just, it's so beautiful. Oh God, I'm getting a little misty. Is it dusty in here? Oh, 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 oh. it's really beautiful. He's so good. And he just has this real moment of like, I can marry this young woman. Seriously, it's not because we think he's very handsome because he is. But But this has nothing to do with that. It's not about that. It's about just being a real person and understanding her problem and understanding how she has no wherewithal to do anything. And he knows that if he just stands back and does nothing and somehow BJR lives, that he's condemning this child to be child to this fucking rapist ass. Which is also what makes his scenes with Claire so interesting because he knows that too. All of those scenes are all about him saying, are you really prepared to let this woman be married to me knowing what you know about me? Knowing what I know about have we talked about? Have we talked about the that scene? your husband makes at the Have last? we talked about this scene <gasps> in the bar? Ooh. No, we're getting there. Okay, so It's the scene where I wrote, here's exactly, I wrote five words. Are you ready? Yeah. Emmy, 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 Tobias, Emmy, no, just Emmy, 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 and my, and my, my handwriting got worse on every word. Oh, I can see it. So they, they, (laughs) this shit is happening in the room. Alex is dying. They're trying to get him to, her to marry Alex. And I want to say right now that this episode will probably be longer than most of our episodes because it's, there's just a lot that happens. So hold up. So Claire goes into town and Blackjack Randall is in a pub. And he is hammered because he has been asked by his brother to marry Mary. To marry Mary. And it's not good. And he has this great drunk moment where he squints oh, her God, with one Tobias eye. Tobias Where he closes one eye so that she can be in focus. I actually have that. I'm like, oh, so do I. Tobias Menzies blanking. He's really good. Anyway, he's fucking hammered. He doesn't want to marry Mary because obviously... He has issues. I don't. I don't know how no, he better to want say to marry that Mary because he thinks he's a he thinks he's a monster. That's not complicated. And this, I will say, is a mm. thing that I think is more clear in the books than it is on the show. Which is that I think that Blackjack Randall is a sadist, and it has nothing to do about his sexual orientation. I think that Blackjack Randall's sexual orientation is pain. It's not gender. It's mm. pain. It doesn't have anything to do with gender at all or attractiveness. He likes to inflict harm, right? So what he wants is to hurt Dr- people. I said, I said, Tobias Moses has drunk blink is giving me life. Yeah. I wrote one eyed blink equals brilliant. Because he's, he's a great stage. Because that so, guy, he's just really he's good. He's just a really good actor. So we find out that he is actually the monster that he thinks he is. And he calls himself a monster. He Cl- says. He says some shit to Claire about. Do you really want to condemn this woman to a, a life where she's p- patched to a monster? And she says, well, you're going to die. And he says, oh, yes, you're cursed in three days. Right. I'm supposed to die three Which, days Which, again, from is now. not a curse. It's that she's seen... 
her, the genealogy and she knows that Frank, not Frank, sorry, BJR is supposed to die in Alan Culloden in three days. In three days. And he's like, fine, I'm going to die in three days. Oh, God, but I'm such an asshole. Do you remember when I raped your husband in Wentworth Prison? And the Do you sound know? he made. I know the sound that he made when he lost himself. That is... Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, Jimmy. You don't even know what we're talking about, but it's rough. And she freaks out and she fucking walks out. She's like, fuck it, you're going to die. It's fine. But she... Pulls herself together. Ugh. But then Colm is like, we go, oh, we flash back and Colm is like, hey, I need Jamie to be the successor. I need Jamie to raise Hamish. And guess who's not happy about that? Gilf. Gilf. He has a Gilf monologue. Gilf is very sad. And then. Uh, God, that monologue is so good. That, so basically what Colm says is somebody who's got some sense Needs to raise the new Mackenzie, and that is not Dougal. That's Jamie. Because Dougal is the sunny. Anybody who understands the Godfather needs to know that Dougal <laughs> is sunny. And I think that you can understand that. <laughs> he is the James Con of the situation. He's not stable. He's definitely he is not stable. He's going to get shot at the toll booth. I'm just saying. He's not stable. And that's what Colm is saying, right? And then uh, Jamie and Dougal basically both leave. And Jamie is like, you know, whatever you say to me, I'm going to do what Dougal would do for obviously different reasons. Like, Dougal thinks it's a good idea. Jamie thinks if we don't win this, all of Scotland is going to be so fucked fucking forever. cares. I'd do the right? same thing Dougal would do. Because there's no other option. Right. And Colm's like, whatever. You're the better choice. Right. So then Dougal comes back eventually and is like, here are all the ways that you fucked me over. And he has, it's beautifully written, beautifully acted. Wait, what's the mark me? I'll bring the. Let's do B, let, let's do BPD at the end. But I've not turned okay. simple. It okay. would be most amusing to see his reaction. Let's oh, do that well, at the end. Well, it's it's an amazing sequence because you have sober the two, as a bairn. I'm two sober sets of brothers. You have Alex and Blackjack Randall, and you have Colum and and Dougal. So BJR, and one brother is dying, and the other one is set to take right. over in both sets. So in, in the Randall duo. They get married and then they're all sort of grouped around him. Well, they force Blackjack to get married to Mary over the dying body of Alex. And Mary is obviously also not, not happy, happy about, about it. it. So, um, pregnant get- Mary gets married to Blackjack Randall over Alex's dying body. And then Alex dies. And then what happens, Julie? Janine, you might want to get your drink ready. So they have this incredibly depressing marriage scene over the deathbed of Alex Randall. And right after they say their actual vows and right after Claire and Murtaugh, who are the witnesses, witnesses, say, I witness this. Alex, who is laying on the bed, dies. And then what happens? And then... Tobias Munazazang. Emmy, 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 Emmy. Black Jack Randall clenches his jaw <laughs> and then jumps onto the bed and beats the shit out of his dead brother. <gasps> yeah. What the 
Whoa. Right. Yep, Janine. Like not even pretend beating. It's like and you don't even see it. Up. It's all you see is him jumping on the bed. And, and then hear. you see Claire pop, pop, and Mary's pop, reactions. Pop, 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 it's pop, awful. Pop. He is beating the shit out of his dead brother's face. It's awful. It's uh, and by that I mean like it's a, a really fucking remarkable piece of television, but you don't see it. Oh, you just hear. God. It. And I am sorry to be that person, but Jesus Christ, it is a remarkable piece of television. It's it was like rough. it's incredibly impactful. Like it just hits you in all of the ugly places. And I was watching Neil and Julie watch that, and they both went like, <gasps> and my back's all the way the fuck. We were both like this the whole time. I can fucking believe it. Also, right. does no, not happen shit. in the books he that is a show shit. only thing that he does not happen in the books out of his dead brother Whoa. he just beat the shit out of his face and, and while it was horrible. that's happening Dougal shows up in Colum's room who remember Colum wanted to commit suicide so he has He's like got this yellow jasmine like, like uh claire gave him this tiny little bottle with a cork and it's like when you are ready so he has this in his hand just hanging out and Dougal shows up to like have alcohol. his final reckoning <laughs> and has this whole monologue about the ways that Dougal from for that column from the time that he was a kid and got bucked by a horse, the ways that he ruined his life, which we are led to believe that. OK, so column whose legs are fucked up. Is the to older the brother syndrome. Yeah. to lose the track He's syndrome. the, is the older brother. He's mm-hmm. the chieftain. But he got fucked up when he got bucked off this horse or whatever. And Dougal Gilf is like the big, like, strapping, I'm worthy, I'm physical. But the way that they make a point of emphasizing in this episode that Colm is physically weak, but mentally incredibly dexterous. And it's not that Dougal is dumb. It's that Dougal is impulsive. Mm. Sonny. It's like totally. the Godfather, which is why, mm, which yeah. is why Colin wants Jamie, right? Like Jamie is a, in addition to being great at choosing horse flesh and flicking that bean. Oh, and God damn it! No, doing it in this episode, though. French and what would you have wanted it? You wouldn't have. It would have mm. really had a place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he speaks French and he speaks German and he can cook and he can pick horse flesh and he can do all the things, right? In addition to all of that, he's like a sensible person, so he chooses things sensibly. Right. And Dougal is not as evidenced by the incredibly hot scene where he and all of his dudes come rushing down that hillside with their eyeliner all over their face. So Dougal has this incredible scene. Oh, it's amazing. Where it's just Graham McTavish talking to his brother as his brother dies. Which he doesn't know. He doesn't know that his brother is actually dying because... His brother is a fucking asshole. And Graham McTavish is like airing the grievances. And then he doesn't see it, but fucking Colm drinks the yellow jasmine. And he turns around and and he's got the bottle in his hand and he dies. While Graham McTavish is having this incredible unburdening of being the able-bodied brother who's not as smart. Oh, I I hated you from the time you got thrown from that horse. I hated you for what you did to me. I hated you because I wasn't there. I hated you because I could never be what you were. And he's dead the entire time because he chose to take that poison before hearing 
the unburdening. And then he turns around and he realizes and he said, well, now that's a, this is the last crime you'll commit against me because now it's stuck here forever. And he taps his forehead. And he's all like, <laughs> and then he just weeps on his body. Oh, my oh. God. It's so good. It's and by that, I mean terrible. It's terrible. That was your, the, the, were those Emmy notes, too? That's Emmy notes. Oh, yeah. No, I here's the thing. This is a, fa- so the Saturn Awards were this last week and Outlander won Best Fantasy Series beating Game of Thrones. One best actress beating all of the other women in sci-fi fantasy series. Excellent. So, um, I mean, they're on a path, right? Like they'll get some Emmy noms. I have no idea how many, but they're submitting. Callow, please. So the email that I got, where the for your consideration email included. Um, for regular season consideration, uh, lead were obviously Sam Huon and Ketra. And then supporting. And Tobias Mama. Well, supporting was Tobias Mama. Oh, well, he should win. And uh, Duncan LaCroix. Right. And then. Oh, my God. Wait a minute. Supporting. Are we going to fight between Murtaugh and Frank? Here's the thing Duncan LaCroix is not going to get a nomination over. <laughs> I know. <laughs> And then the guest. Oh, I think that Mary might have also been guest. Uh, Rosie Day, I think is her name, also mm. was guest. Rosie Day is her name. I keep looking her up on IMDb. Yeah. Um, and then the uh, um, the rest of the roles were all guests. So Simon Callow, guest. Um, Angus and Rupert both guest. Um, all like all, uh, um, uh, Andrew Gower, who plays Bonnie Prince Douche, also guest. Um, Dominique Pignon and guest, guest, all guest. Mm. They don't have enough. They don't have enough episodes to be sporting. I am not okay with that. No, that's. I mean, honestly, it improves their odds. All right. Well, hold up. So we finished the episode. It was off. so, but, but they go to do their plan and it fails because BPD gets lost because he's an asshole. We talked about that earlier. He can't make his way through the fucking forest. But Neil did but say this. But they convince him by t- by saying like, "Oh, it'll be hilarious. You'll get to fuck him over on his birthday." And he says, "It will be most amusing to see his reaction." <laughs> but I have not turned simple. That's another thing. What says. was the, and what he was Neil's thing about the beard? Oh, so in that incredible Dougal scene. Yes, where he's like, talking oh, to his dead brother's and body. And are watching it, like, trying not crying. to cry. Like, like, we're trying to take notes, only this is the sound of us having our notepads in our hands <laughs> without being able to take notes, right? And all of a sudden, Neil presses pause, and there's a beat. And there's, like, this big beat. And he just stops, and he looks at both of us, and then he says, I really have to up my beard game. <laughs> because Gil's beard game is hot. It's a good beard game. Anyway, Emmy, 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 Emmy. And then they try to they try to do the Hail Mary that has nothing to do with Mary and BPD and the Irish idiot get lost. And so then it's just Culloden time, which means next week, the 90 minute episode, which again will probably be two episodes from us, is Culloden and whatever the fuck comes next, which I won't say a goddamn thing. I will say that. A dick rock. Dick rock. This episode is very different from the book. All right. In a great way, I think. But I suspect that the next episode will not be. All right. Anyway, um, let's do some scales, shall we? All right. Um, Let's say costume-wise, because there were some good ones. Mm. 
So I'm trying to think knitwear. What's, what's a good knitwear <sighs> scale? No, I wasn't thinking about costumes at all this oh, episode. But she had that fabulous wrap. Yeah, that's great. But it, uh, since the season started in Paris, I've had a hard time with costumes since they've been back in Scotland. I enjoy this knit. I enjoy the knitwear, but it's not, I don't feel like it's part of the story anymore. Okay, that's fair. So, so what you're saying scale. is you're a judgmental asshole. Yes. Okay, and, no, and no scale is worthy. Uh, I, no, I'm going to say this. <laughs> if we're going from like something crazy high, like uh, Hunger Games bullshit. It's not Versailles, for sure. Uh, versus uh, something crazy low, like the original uh, Graves of Wrath. Oh boy. I've got to go somewhere in the middle. I've got to go straight like ordinary people. Like it's just people wearing the clothes that they They have to live live in. in. Yeah. 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 Okay. So uh, should we skip the bone scale? Because there's There's no no boning. And there shouldn't be. You know what? I agree that there should be no boning. Oh, but don't I, worry, you will have plenty in the next episode. I also need to explain to people who make this show <laughs> that there should probably be some fucking boning for the middle-aged women who want to watch <laughs> boning. That's all. That was, I mean, that was very, that was very clear and very honest, yeah. I'm just saying. Very direct. That's really I mean, I will mean. say that Julie and I, when we're selling this show to other people, especially we dudes, about boning. we say to dudes that it's boning for ladies, which for dudes is good because it means it's like four times as long. Extra long boning. I mean, everyone has heard you sell it to me. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of boning, but there hasn't been any Boning. It's because it's war. It's because it's war. Julie, war is no time for boning. I'm sorry, but I got to tell you that I think that if there was boning and war, if there was war and my husband was still available, I would be boning as much as possible. I'm sure there's still boning. We're just not seeing it. There are other plot points. It's hard to manage. I will say the only war movie I've ever seen that had a very hot boning moment was Enemy of the Gates. I've never seen that. You need to I've see it because it. great moment between Rachel Weisz, right? Rachel oh, Weiss. I love her. And Jude Law. She is the only famous person anyone ever tells me that I look like. That's true. Oh. I will say this. It's because I have prominent eyebrows. <laughs> uh, from here to eternity. <laughs> from here to eternity is a. Uh, oh, I guess that's a war movie. That is a uh, Pearl Harbor. Also, anybody who thinks that sex on the beach is a comfortable experience is full of shit. Uh, However, that moment is one of the hottest moments of all time. But it's incredibly impractical. Deborah Kerr and fucking uh, Burt Lancaster. God damn, that shit is hot. Yeah, it's real hot. So we have one more scale. One more scale. And this is the drink scale. We have two busted scales. (laughs) Yeah. Like two busted scales. No, this one. That's how the other two sound. No. This one, I don't know if Mm. I have an answer for the drunk scale. I do. You do it then. I I, I don't really have anything. Give me a scale and I'll answer. Okay. Uh, From Uncle Buck. I'm going to stick John Hughes because we did a game earlier where we had to talk about John Hughes movies. So uh, if if Uncle you Buck. if you're watching Uncle Buck and you are watching uh, The Breakfast Club. Yes. I mean, I think it's pretty close to The Breakfast Club. You could have time. It's um, 
I think that it's upsetting. I mm. think that it's character driven, mm. especially in its willingness to be compassionate about characters that are regarded as villainous primarily. Mm. Not that Dougal is re- is regarded as villainous, but I do think that the way he's been painted is mostly as kind of an, a testosterone driven idiot. Yep. And BJR is obviously a villain and yep. both of them are completely changed by the the manner and the substance of the deaths of their brothers. Yep. And those deaths and their reaction to those deaths changed the people around them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really great. I mean, one of my favorite favorites, the wrong word. One of the episodes that I think is the best in the entire series is the episode is the scene between um, blackjack and Claire in that bar, mm-hmm. I think is extraordinary mm-hmm. writing, directing, acting the whole thing. Mm-hmm. watching him say, I'm a monster. Do you really want to condemn knowing what I did to your husband and then detailing it? Do you really want to condemn your friend to my bed? And she says, well, I know when you're going to die. And he says, well, do you really? Yeah. And her knowing that if they change the future, she's condemning Mary because if he dies, then she's the, she's a war widow and she's entitled to a bunch of things. But if he doesn't, then how long she's can fucked. he really, for all of his best intentions, and I think this episode makes clear that, that he does have, in certain circumstances in his life, he does have good intentions. How long can he make those last? Mm-hmm. I, I just thought it was really an extraordinary piece of writing. Mm-hmm. I thought it gave Black Jack Randall a lot more depth than he even gets in the books. And mm-hmm. it's a, and we'll talk about this when we do the season wrap up. The plan right now is next week, obviously, we'll do either one or two episodes, depending on how the finale pans out, talking about the wrap up. And then we're going to do the Dude Lander where we talk to dudes about the series. And we may or may not do an episode after that where we just sort of wrap things up entirely before we go into season one. Um, but that's a thing. I mean, I think there are things that books do better. And Julie doesn't know this, obviously, because she hasn't read them. But there are things nope. that books do better and there are things the show does better. And one of the things that I think the show does better is this episode is the most emotionally sympathetic I've ever felt to Blackjack Randall in that I still thought he was a giant piece of shit. But is that... Is that the writing or is that Tobias Manunza? I think it's both. Because that that shit doesn't happen in the book. Like those scenes don't happen in the book. Like him beating up the corpse, that's not in the book. And that's that's horrifying, but like affecting, right? Mm -hmm. Like you think, what is that? Where does that come from? That comes from a place of incredible grief and anger, which can't be anything but emotional and empathetic and compassionate. Like nobody, like he's beating him up because he died. He's not beating him up because he hates him. He's beating him up because he died. He's gone, right? And that's Janine. I'm I'm in awe of that moment as well. You got you haven't even seen it. You gotta watch it. Oh well, I I mean I. I'll, he's gonna I'll watch it with a stone. I I cannot wait until we get to the point where Janine has watched all of this, and then we have an episode that's just us going. And remember that one time? And then he goes, I remember this. <laughs> and then I go, and then, hey, remember that one time? And then he goes, <laughs> And then I say, Do you remember that one time? And he goes, No. 
And you were like, watch this. <laughs> and then I beat up a corpse and he goes, oh yeah, I remember. Oh, I remember. Um, anyway, that's it. So, um, Next week, probably two episodes. If you have anything you think we should talk about about this season specifically before we dive into season one, please let us know. Um, if you live in Chicago and you want to have a beer with us at a brewery, let us know that too. Um, you guys have anything else to add? Not. Nah. All right. Well, hey, uh, this was a super great episode and there's one more before we have a break before season three. Maybe two. If we split it in two. Well, one more episode. Not one more episode of us. One more right. episode in general. Right. Um, Julie, close your ears for a second. If you haven't read the book, close your ears for a second. <laughs> and we get to meet Brie and Roger. I'm so excited. And I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. All right. Um, so it's going to be great. Anyway, uh, I'm Allison. I'm Julie. And that's Janine. What's up? And we will talk to you, see you, hear you, thank you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>